Hi, everyone. Welcome to Lifetime Value. My name is Rithik. I'm extremely excited for our guest today, our first mystery guest for season two, Pablo Amaya, a very good friend of mine from all the way back in Singapore, where we met each other in university. Pablo decided to follow his passion for aviation and is currently the senior leader in product revenue management at IDO Mexico. He holds a master's in air transport management from Cranfield University. And today, Pablo is here to talk to us about the aviation industry, how he got into Aero Mexico and how his career path has been, and also explain to us how the aviation industry is changing based on the impact of COVID. Lastly, Pablo is also pursuing a pilot's license, which has been a childhood dream of mine as well. And he will tell you guys how one can go about getting a pilot's license or what it is to be able to fly a plane. So without further ado, please welcome Pablo. Hi, Ritik. Uh, thank you for having me here. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> thank you so much for taking time out, Pablo. This is so exciting to finally have you. I've been wanting to chat about how the aviation industry has been changing since the, you know, the big COVID struck. And I would love to have your thoughts on it. But first, why don't you introduce yourself to us and tell us how you eventually ended up in aviation? Sure. So, well, thank you again. And, you know, it's been uh, quite a challenging times right now that we were having here in, in the industry. So how did everything started? I have to say, you know, since I was a kid, I was always passionate about aviation and the, the industry. So I started studying business administration, and then I mm -hmm. decided to go to Germany, and that's where I did uh, my major in aviation management, because I really mm -hmm. wanted to start focusing myself more on the business side of, mm -hmm. of the airline industry. And actually, later on, I ended up in Singapore, and mm -hmm. you know, I, I really wanted also to get a feeling of how business was doing in, in Asia in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, not just the airline industry, but doing businesses in general in Asia. And I, I think it was really valuable to get that experience and that exposure in, in Singapore. Mm -hmm. So once I came back uh, from Singapore, I graduated. And as you were saying, I went to, uh, to the UK to do my master's in air transport management. And since then, just before I, I finished my degree, I got some job offers. But, you know, I was not only looking at working for a leading carrier, but also at a position that really excited me. And, and that's how, in, in fact, I ended up at Aero Mexico's uh, corporate strategy division. Mm -hmm. um, I got an offer to come back to Mexico and, and I couldn't waste it. I, I was really excited to help my national carrier to develop and support and, and help in any way that I could just being a, a graduate from, from the master's. So that's kind of like how it, how it started uh, just from the beginning. Excellent. Now, one fun fact for our listeners, Pablo is actually the first one to introduce me to a Paloma, essentially a, a Mexican drink here that mixes tequila with a, a soft drink called squirt and some salt. 
that was the first time I ever had it in my life. And Pablo was the one who introduced me to that drink, <laughs> which is, so thank you a lot for that, Pablo. Now, the next question I had for you is maybe you can dive a bit deeper into what your day-to-day is like at Aero Mexico and perhaps also explain to us what makes Aero Mexico so different from the other airlines, for example. Sure. And I'm, I'm glad I introduced you that drink. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's also something that I really enjoy, and and I think we we both can agree that it's uh, quite a quite a different taste from uh, whatever you can find in in Singapore. Absolutely. Um, so, well, my day to day, you know, it's it's really summed upon a lot of emails, meetings, and and coaching. So, mm-hmm. right now, what we do as a team is basically in the product management team is look at all the value that we can create for the airline, not just in terms of revenue, but also in terms of additional value, uh, additional services that passengers may need. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a quick example. Once you purchase a ticket, that's basically part A of the traditional business model of the airlines. But right now, a couple of years ago, when in, in the U.S., the deregulation started and then low-cost carriers started entering the market, which are these carriers that offer you really competitive fares, mm-hmm. um, we needed to find a differentiator for us in order to compete with these guys. And so we started introducing additional services, for instance, to give you a better experience on board. So say if you're flying from Mexico City to San Francisco, mm-hmm. you not only get, you know, the typical seat that you were supposed to fly, but you're exposed to getting, for instance, an upgrade or sky priority services or a car mm-hmm. rental or, you know, even a guide, a tour guide when once you get into San Francisco. So all those additional services, it's, um, it's part of the business that we're into, that we're doing. And that's uh, with the help of the team, what we're looking at right now, not just how can we optimize fares in order to be more competitive, but also how can we create this additional services and how can we tailor them first and secondly, price them correctly so that it makes sense for the customer to pay for it and it generates an additional value that in other carriers they, they might not find. And moving into the what makes Aero Mexico different mm-hmm. from other airlines, I really have to say, first of all, our our business model in Mexico, it's it's completely unique and it's really different to what we see in the market. So we are the only full service carrier, not only that offers connections to Asia and Europe, but also that has this wide network to be able to connect you to almost anywhere in the globe uh, mm-hmm. with one of our uh, partners or even with our own um, aircraft. So I have to say the, the business model, it's, it's one of the things um, that, that really it's differentiating Aero Mexico mm-hmm. and also the service. Um, I mean, we, we do have to offer the right product to the right customer. So let me, let me give you another example. If you fly domestic, let's say, I don't know, I, I know that you like Cancun, for instance, <laughs> and uh, we've even met there once. Yeah. So say you might have three, four options to go from Mexico City to Cancun. Okay. And probably, um, let's imagine a passenger that 
you know, it's, it's low on budget and you only need to go there. You don't care where you're going to be seated. You're not checking any bag. You just want to go there because you saved a lot of money to, you know, stay there for, let's say, one week. And so you really don't care. Just the only thing that you care is that's the cheapest fare possible. Yep. And there we might also have the complete opposite, right? We might have a family, you know, they, they want to enjoy it, the time, not just the vacation itself in Cancun, but since they leave their house, they want to feel relax they want to feel good they want to feel comfortable they want to feel safe and um, they don't really are too worried about paying a little extra but just yep. to get that full experience so and we can even put covid right now here into play so for these two passengers you know us as i mexico we are able to offer you the exact product that uh, that you need we can offer you the cheapest fare, a really competitive fare uh, to fly with us, to fly safe, uh, to arrive to Cancun. We can also offer you the other spectrum to fly in, in Premier Cabin, which is our business class, so that you can relax, you can have a drink, you get you know, your, your baggage. Uh, once you deploy the aircraft, it's the one that it's going to come first. So you can just pick it up and run to the hotel and enjoy your vacation. Mm -hmm. And here with COVID, you know, we've already seen a lot of people that might even shift from one uh, spectrum to the other, just by the fact that maybe they don't feel that safe going into the back of the plane, fully loaded. Uh, so they'd rather have a bit more privacy, uh, rather a bit more space. Mm -hmm. And I know we're going to talk about it in, in a couple of minutes, but just to give you that idea, if you would like to fly really comfortable, um, you couldn't do that with a competitor. You could only do basically the, the cheapest one type. And yep. so what we're saying here is obviously there's always going to be competition. Yep. Uh, we're always fighting to, to get the same customer. But I really believe that the thing that it's making the difference, it's the service itself. Because at the end of the day, it's the same seat that we're offering from Mexico City to Cancun, you could put it that way. Mm -hmm. But it's really that experience once you get into the airport, let's say even a different terminal, I mean, the experience to immerse yourself mm -hmm. in Terminal 1 or in Terminal 2, how does that come into play? Uh, mm -hmm. Once you're inside, you might have access to a lounge or you might not. You might have access to board first or you might not the aircraft how new the aircraft are how comfortable the aircraft are mm -hmm. the service the food the snacks so it's a whole experience that we can uh, pinpoint that really makes makes that difference and that's what we are trying to offer to our customers to to fly with us absolutely and as a satisfied customer i can genuinely tell you it makes even though on surface people are like you know i have no problem slumming it out within a, a cheap seat and just get from a to b the difference it makes is insane and for our listeners who may not be from mexico terminal 2 in the mexican international airport is home to Aeromexico. So if you're flying with Aeromexico, you kind of get like your own terminal, which makes such a big difference when you are traveling and the amount of service that you can, that these guys provide you is so different. Now let's address the um, elephant in the room, COVID. Ever since the pandemic has struck, airline business has gone off a cliff. So yeah, would love to get your thoughts on what happened when the, the pandemic struck and 
what, what was happening in, on the inside and what, what the future is going to look like. Sure, Ritik. So, you know, just to give you a, a quick idea of where we're standing, in approximately three months, the industry went back 30 years in terms of traffic level. Wow. So that's just how big the hand has been in terms of how how few people are flying right now. Um, So it has been quite dramatically across the globe, um, not just in the case of Mexico, in the case of Singapore and in Europe and the U.S. uh, Literally, there's no no nation that has been able to escape from this pandemic in terms of the effect that it has in, in our industry. And since our industry, it's, you know, about connecting people Mm-hmm. Uh, connecting nations, um, uh, trade flows, it has been hugely, hugely devastated. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've never faced such a challenge in our history. Yeah. Period. And um, so that, that's just how how kind of like where where we're standing right now. Um, so I'd say there are a lot of things um, that'll change and that that I foresee are are going to happen. The first one, it's um, a timeline. Okay. So in order really for, for traffic to come back and rebounce, we are seeing and, and you know, from, from the industry and, and, you know, the organisms and, and international bodies that, that regulate aviation, that it'll take around four to five years just to go back to traffic levels of 2019. So last wow. year. So we're, we're talking that until around 2024, 2025, traffic won't recover as we, as we knew it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just to put you in a perspective of how challenging it is going to be, how challenging it is right now for airlines uh, really to, to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and to that end, I would talk to, you know, the fact of consolidation, you know, Every crisis, um, it's, it's kind of like aviation history. Every crisis has brought aviation consolidation, so less players in the market. And that's something that it's, it's already started. Uh, mm. We've seen it in Europe with some um, airlines disappearing, some airlines now being, uh, again, nationalized. Mm. We've seen it in South America with airlines, you know, disappearing, uh, being rebranded. Um, and... To be honest with you, I do believe we're also going to see it here in Mexico with at least one competitor um, disappearing, if not more. Wow. So many airlines are going to shrink um, or they're going to consolidate in, in, in the near, near future. Mm-hmm. We've actually done that. So we went uh, from having around 131 aircraft to roughly we're going to have around 80, 90 aircraft in the upcoming years. So we've actually already phased out some aircraft just by the fact that we don't need that aircraft right now. And that's something, you know, that has happened in Europe and in in the U S. So you might remember, I mean, even in Singapore, um, you, you, you know, the A380 from, from Singapore airlines, the 12 A380s, that Singapore Airlines had now are completely, um, you know, in, in Australia in the desert, and they've actually um, put a an A380 
for for dinner at, at Changi Airport. It's completely Correct. parked that aircraft because yeah. you cannot fly that. You know, it's too it's too big for for the little traffic that we have. Mm-hmm. We've seen historic aircraft, the the seven forty seven that many many people know as the as the the queen of the skies, the jumbo is basically mm-hmm. gone. You you probably if you're lucky enough, you might even fly it again, but probably you will never fly that aircraft again. Wow. So British Airways, the largest um, jumbo operator in the world, just phased out all the remaining aircraft. That wow. that was something that was not going to happen into at least three or four years. So that's just looking at at how 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 little passengers are traveling right now. How literally. Uh, traffic has stopped uh, completely mm-hmm. overnight. And um, to that end, I'd say um, one of the things that we are looking into, it's it's safety, right? And I think you alluded to that early in our conversation of how safe it is to fly or not to fly. Yeah, um, I was giving this example of flying until the, um, uh, the back of the plane or in the front of the plane. And just to give you some uh, really um, concise uh, figures from the International Transport Association (IATA), which is our, our, um, the 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 basically the regulator for all airlines yep. industry. Mm-hmm. It's um, you know it's it's incredibly amazing how clean the uh, the air in airlines is in the aircraft. So just to give you a quick example. Um, we have in our aircraft um, some filters, air filters called EPA filters, which literally are as good, if not better quality than filters, air filters on hospitals, uh, which filter 99.9% of all bacteria and viruses. And it's something that it's um, being renewed every two to three minutes. So just wow. to put you in, in perspective, if you were sitting on an aircraft completely full uh-huh. and you were sitting in a classroom as big as you want and as full as you want, mm-hmm. you would have twice as much propensity to get COVID on a classroom than on a plane. <laughs> if wow. you would be on a supermarket, you know, we all go to supermarkets from time to time. I've done it myself. Mm-hmm. Although I order some shop, some, some groceries um, online, mm-hmm. you're eight times more exposed in the supermarket than in the, in the plane. So that means wow. the air in the plane is eight times cleaner than in any mall or any supermarket. And if you just want to look at another example, say an office, right? Uh-huh. Uh, right now in Mexico, we're not allowed to, to work at our, well, to go back at the office, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. been really halted. It's 12 times cleaner the air <laughs> in the plane than in the office. So wow. in other words, you would be 12 times more exposed than in the, in the plane. So safe is foremost and has been always safety, the foremost um, principle and, and you know goal of aviation. Mm-hmm. And without any doubt, we're still the safest transportation method, even with COVID. And it's a safe environment, regardless where you're sitting. There's no scientific uh, evidence that shows, you know, if you are 
sitting right next to someone or if the seat right next to you it's empty mm -hmm. if you're get a, a less propensity of, of getting infected sure. i mean there's just no evidence at all just just by the fact that the air is so clean in the plane practically impossible to get infected within the plane itself wow. so that's just something to to give you a perspective on in, in terms of the safety and and how how we're dealing with it and as an airline we were actually the first in mexico to launch safety and health management system Mm -hmm. which is really looking at all corners when passengers arrive at the airport to make the experience cleaner, safer, and that, that passengers, you know, get that confidence back that when they fly with Aeromexico, they're flying safe. They can fly with their families, they can fly with their friends, and, um, and, and you know, just, just enjoy um, mm -hmm vacation or or you know enjoy giving that hawk back to a relative that you haven't seen in a long mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. um and to that end i think technology it's something that has changed um and right now because of covid it'll it'll start shaping the industry at a at a much quicker pace there are mm -hmm. going to be new tools and even more contactless technologies to really um, experience, um, well, the, the traditional flight. So for instance, I foresee they might even be uh, kind of like a COVID passport, some type of global identification that states that you have been <laughs> verified, uh, mm -hmm. tested, and that you are safe to fly. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that, that, that I, I think it could come in, in the near future. Um, new check-in options, artificial intelligence, you know, there's a lot of things going, not just in the planes, but around the travel journey. So once you land at the airport, once you are within the plane, once mm -hmm. you deplane, and even, you know, once once you get to the hotel, you know, the, the, yeah. the traffic journey has changed forever. So it yeah. already changed. It'll never be back as we knew it. It'll yeah. be safer. It'll be cleaner. Mm -hmm. But the experience itself you know, what we had in the past, uh, foregone as a safe, uh, yeah. well now it's just, it, it, it just, um, got improved in that sense. So that's something good. Absolutely. And, um, traffic, you know, um, I got a lecturer that, uh, he, he always said this phrase and I love it because traffic always, 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 always comes back and it will come yeah. back. We are right now for um, the last uh, part of the year uh, revamping capacity to 85%. So that means wow. we're flying at an 85% level versus our previous year. So that just gives you an idea of also mm -hmm. how people are starting to be more confident, to feel safe about flying. Mm -hmm. And well, to be honest with you, there are just people that they just want to go out of their house, you know, and, yeah. and, and see meet family again and, and see friends. I think it's, it's really, really hard right now to forecast what's, what's going to happen just by the fact that, you know, we have a lot of um, border closures developments, you know, almost on a, on a daily basis in some parts of the world, uh, they mm -hmm. open a, a, a border, they close it, they introduce new measures, they remove them. Um, and it hasn't been um, standardized, right? And forgive your audience and an example in, uh, in South America, the only two countries 
that have remained open, if we can put it that way, have yeah. been Brazil and Mexico. All the other countries in South America have had some type of quarantine, some type of travel restrictions. Mm. And we've seen that, you know, um, I, I think that has positioned Idol Mexico pretty well in terms of how to handle this crisis. Because a lot of airlines in Colombia, in Argentina, mm -hmm. they've literally just halted services in Panama as well mm -hmm. um, because they're not able to fly. And so we have that kind of like advantage right now on how are we looking at things. People are starting to fly again, particularly yeah. to sun and snow destinations where they feel comfortable of vacationing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, if we decide to keep flying to a destination uh, to increase capacity or reduce it, whatever we decide, right now it's literally being driven even more um, by the fact that we're covering costs or not, mm -hmm. you know, um, airlines, you know, we have thinner routes in terms of revenue generator and, mm -hmm. and, and others that generate more revenue. And right now we're not in the luxury of keeping flying routes that are barely break even. Um, and, and it's just by the fact what we're discussing the, the costs that we have, you know, we still have mm -hmm. people that we need to pay we mm -hmm. still have sh shareholders that we need to deliver. We still have suppliers. We still have so many costs, the aircraft leases, navigation. It's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what, what is happening is that we're just burning cash every day. So um, previous quarter, we were burning around $2 million per day. Wow. Um, just to put you in perspective, some other carriers uh, were even burning 10 times more than that per wow. day in the United States. And, um, and, but they've been shrinking that from say the, the high 50s, 70s, 80s million to, uh, to a level of 20 million, which is still pretty significant. Yeah. But just, just to give you a, a quick flavor of, of really yeah. how devastating this has been to the industry. Absolutely. Well, that was a great answer, Pablo. Now, before we move on to the next section, I wanted to ask you one last question. How has your own personal journey into flying been? How was it like to fly a plane? Where are you right now in your personal aviation career of flying? And if somebody wants to learn how to fly, you know, how do they go about doing it? That's uh, that's something that really excites me, and um, yeah. happy happy to answer that. So I started flying in in the UK when I was doing my masters. Uh -huh. So I you know I saved some money and and put put some hours there. The first flight was to uh, Silverstone Formula One uh, racetrack, which was astonishing. Just to you know bank and and fly really at a, a really low altitude there, and it's it's something that regardless where you are, you'll never forget the time that you fly for the first time. Well, right now where I am is still pursuing my, to obtain the license. I'm, I'm in a flight school here in Mexico city. Mm -hmm. You know, I've attended lessons on a, on the weekend basis because of the, you know, I don't have time during the week because of my job and, you know, just constantly keeping reading, keeping practicing uh, on the weekends just to, you know, present some more tests and then, just start uh, building up more hours to to get officially the license. Right now, I say that I have the the license of God. You know, it's like when when I was a uh, fourteen or thirteen years old here in Mexico, you weren't allowed to drive. Although I already knew how to drive, 
Yeah. So if my mom would lend me her car. Um, she would say, and, and, and we would joke that I had the God's license because if they would pull me over, uh, there would be no chance for, for my mom to rescue me. So that's kind of like the same in the air, although there aren't any, anyone that can really stop me in the air or pull me over in the air. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I'd say, um, you know, if, if you really want to fly, ask yourself if you want to be a professional pilot, then definitely look at attending a flight school. If you want to do it just more as a hobby, schools at some airports that don't offer a per se flight school experience, but it's more with an instructors. Because of COVID, my experience is waiting for the new Xbox and flight simulator, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I which I decided to buy just 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 wanting to get my hands on and, and keep on practicing. Absolutely. Great uh, response again, and I can I can feel it in your voice the the passion that you have. Now, before we wrap up, you know we do this additional segment called Payback Period, where the guest uh, asks the host a question. What is your question for me today, Pablo? So I have to say, and yeah, this is this is Payback Period. <laughs> I have to say, you know your your path to be really honest with you. It's it's really shocking. It's really <laughs> I'm really, I'm really um, amazed, but by all the tracks that you've covered, and and I'm really happy to call you my friend, and and I'm really proud of what what you've done. Mm-hmm. So my my question would be in in regards of what's kind of like your what has been your really innermost motivation? Because I know it hasn't been easy for a mm-hmm. guy that doesn't speak Spanish, that mm-hmm. he's from around of the world, you know. I mean, how, how have you dealt with that? Because I think yeah. that that thing is something that it's really remarkable from you. Mm-hmm. And I've also wanted to ask you on, so that's the first question. Mm-hmm. And your second question would be on what's, what's next for you? What's the next ladder for, for Ritik? Uh, Both very, very good questions. To answer the first question, I kind of feel like a part of me has always just been perhaps this is just me. Uh, I, I love proving people wrong. I don't know why, <laughs> like a lot of my sort of motivation and it's not the best, but I kind of feel that a lot of times whenever people have said that I can't do something or it's out of my means, I will work till kingdom come to make sure that I prove them wrong. I don't know why, but like that has really lit a fire in me. I kind of feel that is perhaps the first step. You know, I've also been really blessed to be surrounded by such an amazing support system. You know, speaking about my partner, Fernanda, my family, her family, the people I met early on in Mexico, yourself included, you know, they've always sort of cheered me on, always kind of kept me feeling very positive, even when things were not going right, you know, initially or in the middle or whenever there's always been somebody I can count on. So I kind of feel it's, it's a combination of these two things that have really helped me. And, you know, I kind of feel that it has given me an additional motivation to either pay it back or to keep going forward. So I can really prove the people who backed me for um, that the investment that they made with their time, with their effort really is worth it. 
those are the sort of things that really kind of keep me going in terms of the next steps. You know, I just started this new, which is uh, working at Neom, which is a Singaporean company. And I'm the first Latin American employee. It's sort of come ironically full circle where, you know, usually I'll be the first Singaporean employee uh, or for a Mexican firm. But now I'm the first Mexican employee for a Singaporean company. So it, it kind of gives me a sense of pride. Like, you know, I, I've managed to grasp enough of this uh, geography or the context of FinTech here to be able to provide other companies who might be looking into breaking into this industry and this geography advice or just being able to put them in touch with the right people. And, and that is something that I want to commit myself to intrinsically I'm motivated to bring Singapore and Mexico together. Cause like you said, you know, there's like maybe three or five Singaporeans here and I hope there's more of us in the future because Mexico is such a lovely place and Singapore is such a lovely place. Uh, just because we're separated by a massive body of ocean doesn't mean we can't, we can't get closer to each other. So that, that is something I want to commit myself to, to bringing, intrinsically these two countries together. And I kind of feel the first step I've taken with Neom is a step in the right direction. Great questions. You know, it's really, it's, it's remarkable, Riddick. I think it's, um, you know, that, that part of always trying to prove, <laughs> you know, prove, prove, uh, prove them wrong. I think it's a remarkable attitude and, and, and I, I really respect it and I admire that from you. And, and it's, I know it's been challenging um, <laughs> and, you know, but it's, it's really fascinating to see that, that path that you followed and, and right now uh, at, in, in your new role and, and how you are, you know, as you're saying, the first Latin American um, in a Singaporean company, how you want to keep, kind of like binding together Singapore with Mexico, which I also find fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure you will do. Um, you know, I, I, I foresee a Singaporean community led by Riddick. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. I think you're doing a great job and it's, um, I'm, I'm really proud to call you my friend. Really, really happy for that. And, and to hear that answer. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask if you wanted to share one last piece of advice for anybody thinking of joining the aviation industry. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to go um, uh, a little um, outside of the track. I'm not just yeah. going to do it for aviation, but I'm just going to do it uh, by, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that, as you were saying, I, I, I literally pursued my dream. And I believe it, I've heard that in the past from, you know, from friends and, and, and relatives that not all the people are able to pursue their dream. And I think that comes, that might come at a time as, you know, being a bit frustrating on, on, on how some people have really defined what they want to do. And they're doing that as, as, a, as a job, which is, you know, some could argue it's a job and some could argue it's not. Um, but I'd say, you know, regardless if it's aviation or if it's not, I'd encourage everyone just to be patient and, um, and hear themselves out, you know, talk to as many people as you can. I've always enjoyed, you know, talking to older people. You get so much knowledge, you know, it's, it's, they have so many years in history that things they've lived and heard and experienced that, that we haven't done that. And that I believe 
you know, everyone can find whatever they are meant to be. And, and, and as, as a cliche as it might sound, I think that's, that's something really valuable just to be a bit patience on, have a bit patience on, on, on trying to find that way. Mm-hmm. And if definitely, if you're pursuing um, a career in aviation, um, well, anything that, you know, if you want any advice or, or anything, I would encourage um, any one of you to just uh, reach out to me uh, through LinkedIn, but yep. definitely, um, you know, try to get as much exposure as you can in terms of, of what's happening in the industry. You know, right now, thanks to the internet, there are so many sources, free sources, where you can get airline news, where you can have, you know, apps that, that download every day, you know, what's going on in the industry. And I think that's a really good, um, you know, a, a good stepping stone for people you know, to differentiate your, yourself from someone that wants to get in the industry just by the mm-hmm. fact maybe that you want to travel for free yeah. or by the fact that you really are pursuing it because you're really passionate about it. And I believe that if you can show your passion and combine it with um, the knowledge, which is literally out there, I mean, there's tons and tons of websites that mm-hmm. you can subscribe, that you can look at, uh, you know, in Twitter, news, um, there's just a bunch of, 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 of it's, let's call it a marketplace where you can start pulling information to kind of like build that aviation acumen, if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's for aviation and for any other industry, I think that's really valuable. So that when, when the employer looks at you, um, he sees that passion and that added value, or as another candidate might, might not happen. So I, that would be my, my final recommendation. Uh, for the audience today. Perfect. Well, Pablo, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. And I really hope to have you again on the podcast when, you know, you're, you're the CEO of Aeromexico and, and leading them towards the next innovation in av- aviation. Um, if anybody would like to reach out to Pablo, I'll include his LinkedIn in the post. And uh, well, thank you so much again, Pablo. Now, thank you, Ritik. Uh, thank you very much for the honor. Uh, really humbled by, by the invitation. And uh, anytime, really happy to be here and uh, looking forward to the next one. Perfect. Thank you so much. And this was Lifetime Value.